Good morning, and welcome into the Blitz live here on Fan Run Radio, thirteen forty AM, one hundred five point seven FM. Live here in the White Claw Hard Seltzer Studios, I'm Charlie Collier, back behind the board at Sam Beard, as uh, we're here with you, here with you for the next couple of hours, getting to your lunch break on this Wednesday, December 20th. Wow. Yeah, right there. December 20th, we're here with you. That doesn't feel right. I think this month has moved faster than the other 11. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think time uh, gets faster towards the new year. I think time gets faster as you get older. Is that? Yeah, 100%. Is that, is that something that, that people generally 100%. feel, I think, right? Easily. Time feels like it's never stopping as a kid. I was trying to... That doesn't work. The the Fleetwood Mac song "Time and Older Children." I was gonna see. No, no they don't. No, they no, don't say anything doesn't. about time going faster as you get older. Anyway, we're here. Getting into Christmas. We're 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 almost to Christmas. That's I think what everyone just is in at this point is just get to Christmas mode. Yeah, I think a lot of people not working Friday, so. It's a de facto Thursday for a lot of you, which is basically Friday, Junior, which is basically Friday, which means we're basically there. Well, how about that? Sure. How about that? Yeah, yeah we're yeah, basically yeah, there. Yeah. It's uh, National Signing Day. Yeah. Big time. Woo. We love it. National Signing Day, or days, rather, I guess, because it goes all the way into, like, Friday at noon, right? Something like that. You can yeah, sign tomorrow not, as well. It's it's just not what it used to be, man. It's not what it used to be. Yeah. Uh, college football is not what it used to be. It keeps getting worse. But uh, signing day is not what it used to be either. Between early enrolling and the transfer portal and just the, the whole way the, uh, the football calendar shapes up now with regular signing day that no one actually uses and then early signing day, it's just, yeah, it's not the same. I miss the days of, of, like, staying home sick from school in February and, and just keeping it keeping it on ESPNU all day. Yeah. You didn't have crystal balls and, and Instagram lives and You just had to wait which, which hat got picked and, up. Yeah, yeah, you were just – you were at the mercy of the hat. Uh-huh. And, and there was no contingency plan sometimes either. It was just, oh – this guy didn't send us a fax, like, call that three-star right now and tell him it's not too late. That was it. Like, that that was just signing day. It was like, oh, we didn't – he didn't pick up our hat. Okay, well, we have about five minutes to to, to figure something out. I want to go back to that, to that generation, to those days. Something about the hats, man. Something about the hats. It just got me going. I don't know. It was just – like you said, you're at the mercy of the hat. You're just the old like bait and switch too. Like he picks up your hat and then he puts it down, and then it's your rival, and you're just you're just sad. We still get some hats, but just not enough hats for my no, liking. No, not enough for my taste. I'm a hat man. Uh huh. Hungry for more hats. It's also it's always great when like a hat doesn't fit on the head too. You know, like some guys got oh, big hair or something like I that. Even, and, like I didn't think about that. Would have been like, good thing I wasn't a Division One prospect. <laughs> I would have had some issues. Yeah. I would have needed to call Brian Robinson up and 
get in touch with his friend's big hat company. Mm-hmm. Nobody's on a big hat, a big hat commitment yet. That is something that could really, really bring the house down. I didn't even think about that. The big hat, because that was a trend that was only going on for, I don't know, like four or five months. And then you kind of, it was it was a, a short run of glory for the big hat community. But I feel like we could bring it back. Are big hats gone? Have they already phased out? It seems like it. They were really missed- hot there for like two months, you know? Dang, I missed that phase. Like after we won the Orange Bowl? I remember? wanted a big hat there briefly. I kind of did too. Big hats dominated the football season for about two months. It feels like you remember you you remember how it happened, right? Yeah, Brian Robinson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the most random. Just randomly, he's wearing a massive hat in the locker. Yeah, just oh hey, you got shot a couple times and now you're playing football. Wait, why is your hat so big? I got a friend that sells big hats, so I'm wearing one. All oh, right, yeah. man, nice. That's that's a big hat you got there, Brian. How about the football game? It's a good game. Okay, cool. And then the next week, just everyone was wearing a big hat. Who knew that Brian Robinson had the kind of... Had that pull. Butterfly effect. If Brian Robinson never gets shot, big hats never take off. Just saying. You think Brian gave that guy a big hat? He's like, hey, I want to... Or did the big hat guy get Brian Robinson shot? Maybe. Going to get his big hats. Well, again, you know, Brian Robinson wouldn't have been notable enough to start a trend otherwise if he didn't have that notoriety. Anyway, uh, big hats, signing day, we're here. We're having a good time. Plenty to get into. Uh, We already got some breaking news this morning. Tennessee picked up a commitment. Uh, We have updates throughout the show on signing day as the uh, signatures continue to roll in. Do they still fax them at all? Do we still have any fax machines? Oh, Is yeah. that still how would, we're sending in NIL? Or, I mean, not NILs, NLIs? That's what I would letter think. of intents? I would think that you, you, you fax it in. I don't know if we moved on to the e-sign days. Those old, you know, those e-signatures. I hope not. That was also something that I miss in, in uh, you know, in recruiting. Have you ever used a fax machine? Yeah. Okay, mm-hmm. I don't think I have. I, I I don't know if I could figure it out. It's pretty cool. That would have been a good thing, uh, a good pick on the, the things we don't understand draft. I just got an idea, Sam. Okay. Just got an idea. It's a game show where you take Gen Z and in the young generation, and you have them try to use old technology. Does it, is it vice versa? Do you get old people to use new technology? See I guess one, you could kind of reverse who, it. See who gets the, the task done faster? You could do like Family Feud style, and here's like, okay, we got three 85-year-old women. I need they you to set up to, a Bluetooth speaker. And the little kids need to dial someone successfully yeah, yeah, on the road. You have phone. to you have to successfully download and play this song through a Bluetooth speaker. You kids have to order a pizza using a rotary phone. Yeah. One, two, three, go. That's a great idea. You have to successfully unsubscribe from Spotify Premium, grandmother. <laughs> Child, you need to successfully fax a letter to the 
local hospital. Yeah. Okay. How many episodes can we get out of this? Probably not a lot. I was starting to I, think of other This feels like things. a limited series, uh-huh. but I think we could but have we, one very fun episode, mm-hmm. or maybe three kind of fun episodes. Should we make it like a, maybe to ensure that we don't have to keep this going, should we make it like a, a Squid Games type event? We where could. Like you get a mass amount or of- Or we could intentionally get ourselves canceled after three episodes. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. How are we going to do that? Well, I don't want to dive like headfirst into something too troubling, but <laughs> like maybe like a like a light touch misogyny or something, I don't know. <laughs> what I'm now I'm just trying to think of tasks outside of those the facts four and things that we phone. named. Um Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I'm lost. We could think of something. There's we the, could the get at least five episodes. There. Opportunity is out there. We could get five episodes. I like this idea though. I do. But I don't think I could use a fax machine right now. Okay. Probably not. It would be probably I think I might be able to, I don't know. It's really not that hard. You just kind of press, like, facts. Do you remember the days of, like, the 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 live stream Butch Jones signing day shows where he would, like, get the facts and, like, strut down the stage yeah, and go to the screen, and it was highly pre- – I love those. That's what I'm saying. I missed the fax machine because it was just, like, the coaching staff waiting for some kid to come in, and it's just like, oh, we got one. Just beep, 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 beep. They're coming through, and they're like, yeah, four-star linebacker. I loved the uh, the signing day shows. I was a sucker for them. I really mm-hmm. was. But I even uh, I got out of school one year in high school to go to Tennessee's signing day event in Knoxville, in Nashville, at Nissan Stadium. It was a it was a signing day luncheon. Why did they have a signing day event in Nashville? Um. I don't remember, but they had one in Nashville and Knoxville. And it was Nashville during the day, Knoxville at night. Huh. And I remember being at the luncheon. I remember I might have been the youngest person there by a solid decade. Because, you know, not a lot of... No. High school kids can just on a Wednesday afternoon go to Nissan Stadium during school and, you know, watch this. It was like it was a very professional, like people wearing khakis and like nice shirts. You're in like your. No, I, I wore khaki pants. And, oh, okay. I thought you were. And I remember, I remember afterwards, I met Bob Shoop. Nice. And I remember shaking his hand and taking a picture with him. And there was like four or five of us that were kind of like recognized Bob Shoots and were like taking a picture with him. And uh, what was it? He told me, uh, I remember what it was. Yeah, he said he, he shook whatever the four or five of his hands, you know, signed a couple autographs, took a couple pictures. And then before he left, he goes, I want you guys to remember it's all about the two chips, it's all about relationships and championships. And that's what we're doing. Thank you very much. And then Hell he walked yeah. away. And that was it. I was like, what a guy. I went to middle school with his son. What a guy. What a way to just round up five people and just get them real fired up with the two ships. 
he would kind of come into really weird guy. Yeah, he was he was kind of strange, but he's a nice guy. He would come uh, into like he would I pick think, his son up from basketball. I think he might have gotten and, himself like, into some trouble. And then just what in Starkville? I'm pretty sure he got fired. Got himself in a little trouble there. I don't know. He's been coaching all around now. What is he up to these days, Bob Shoop? Remember how excited we were about Bob Shoop? He was a good D coordinator. He was he was gonna be be the answer to all of our problems. Anyway, enough about Bob Shoop, I guess. <laughs> Weird yeah, way I to could start care a, less. Weird way to start a Wednesday, but uh, it is signing day. You having a good day? Get anything good last night? Um, not really. Watched a little basketball, played a little Fortnite. Oh, you played some Fortnite? Um, I didn't know you were on the, the Fortnite grind. Not really. It's just my roommates and I play a little bit. You got to hop on. I don't really like it. I mean, I play it a little bit and I have fun, but I get bored after like 30 minutes. I don't like I don't, video games. I don't like it as uh I don't like it as much as like sports games, but I like playing with my buddies. I was playing some good NHL last night. It was great. Watched some more Kill Tony. I'm hooked on that show now. Yeah. Super into it. It's a great concept. I'm in. Yeah, I'm all the way in. Watched the the episode with Adam Ray last night. Big fan. Just his solo episode? Yeah, I watched the solo episode. Finished you like that, that Dr. One? Phil episode, too. I was crying laughing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I watched the movie Idiocracy last night. It came up on Shuffle on the watch list. Uh, Which watch list are you shuffling? Mine. Where, where, well, uh, what app? Letterboxd. Okay. It's got like 460-something on there. Ru- I remember Russell, that was his top movie of the 2000s when we asked that question of the day, and he I added it to my watch list that day, and it came up last night. It was like an hour and 24-minute long 2006 comedy, and it was aggressively mediocre in the best way possible. Like it was, uh, it was like eating a really good frozen pizza. I wouldn't say that's aggressively mediocre. I'd say that's good. I like a good frozen. I would pizza. say a good frozen pe- pizza <laughs> is mediocre in the best way possible, because it's the best of mediocrity. Maybe, maybe. But it was solid. It was solid. Um, watched Chad Pennington and Josh McCown's sons play really bad quarterback against each other last night. Yeah. I saw that all over Twitter. I didn't. Uh, I didn't think about watching that game. Yeah, though. did not enjoy it. Uh, Marshall blew a lead, and it wasn't all that close in the end. Uh, and then watched some good college hoops. College hoops was solid last night. Mm-hmm. We'll talk about that a little bit later. One thing that did kind of stand out to me yesterday: Did you realize how bad Notre Dame is at basketball? Well, they've really taken a step down since Mike Bray retired. But huh? I don't think people realize how bad it is. They got beat last night by the Citadel Hell at yeah. home. 65 to 45. Let's go Citadel. Notre Dame might low-key be worse than Louisville. Like, they're kind of lucky Louisville exists. They'll find out here soon, you know? Yeah. I guess so. 
And they when might they not play? be worse than Louisville, but they're pretty damn bad. They play. We'll know on February twenty first. Can we make just uh, our own like we we can have the NCAA tournament, we can have the NIT, we can have the CBI, and then we also just get um, a four team bracket that's Vanderbilt, DePaul, Louisville, and Notre Dame to figure out who the the worst is of the the power for the the high majors. Does like the Big Twelve have a terrible team this year? I feel um, like DePaul shouldn't be on that list unless they really have to. Dude, DePaul's awful. Yeah, but like I don't really care about. I mean, West Virginia is not great. That's it's them and like Oklahoma State at the bottom of the Big Twelve, but they're not on the level of Louisville or Notre Dame. What about Maybe a bad someone from Pac Twelve. Yeah. Um, Arizona State is pretty awful. Um, Cal is not much better. But at least Cal's losing to good teams or mediocre teams. I guess, yeah. Anyway, it's signing day. We'll uh, take a look at how the class is shaping up, what's come in, and what's still out there on the table. Stay with us on the Blitz. Ever been the. We have some very important signing day news. Yeah. My uh, my neighbor from two years ago, his little brother, walked onto the team as a long snapper today. Is uh, his last name what? Block? Box? Box. 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 Marshall Box. They Shout were having a Box. they were having a really good time talking about Marshall Box this morning. Really? Like three and out. <laughs> Let's yeah. go. I, I heard Let's them, go. I heard them like four separate times talking about <laughs> Marshall Box. Yeah. It's funny you bring them up. The pride of Jackson, Tennessee. Yeah, the pride of Jackson, Tennessee. You think of you think of like Trey Smith and Marshall Box. I think of Bilbo's, the bar. <laughs> okay, it's the best. <laughs> Haven't been there, but yeah, it's family owned. Wait, explain this bar. Oh, I just my uh, my mom's side of the family owns a bar in Jackson, Tennessee. Oh, well, I've got a lot of friends like from Jackson. A lot of these kids that I that were my neighbors like were from Jackson. Apparently, there's a bar in Jackson that is a bar and, um, like, a bull riding ring, like, all in one. Like, you That's can exactly go what order, I need in a bar. You can go order a beer and then, like, walk into the back room and there's people riding bulls. Like, actual bulls. Yeah. The animals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why don't we have one of those in <laughs> Knoxville? <laughs> Why don't we have it in every city? I will... That would get me into bull riding. That would get me... Hooked on bull Literally, riding. like, in the most literal sense, like, in the bull. That would get me on a bull. Would you try to become a bull rider? You're, tell- <laughs> you're telling me that I can have alcohol immediately next to a decision about whether or not I want to get on top of a, a large animal? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I'm going to end up on a bull quickly. Yeah. I want to ride a bull. Do you? Bad. I don't know if you do. I, I want to bad. It seems painful, Charlie, oh, when, I know. You, when you when you go down. I'm open-minded. I understand uh, broken bones are, are maybe not a likelihood, but... Uh, a strong possibility. I, I, I wouldn't even say a strong possibility, but a, a heightened concern. Yeah. Like a, a good 30%. 
three times out of ten, I'd say I'm breaking something. What about like a smaller one? But seven times out of ten, I'm not. What about kind of like a new bull? And I'm a gambler. Like a new bull? You know, like yeah, he's not, dude, I can hop on a little baby bull. He's not experienced yet. Like he's still just kind of learning his. I'll whip him in the shape. His bucking ways. Yeah. A new bucker. Mm-hmm. Sign me up. I wonder if that is like another subset of bull riding, like adolescent bulls. Baby bulls. Yeah. Or do we just put children on the small ones? Mm. Is that what the, like the junior bull riders are riding or junior bulls? Yeah, maybe. You might be right. I don't know. I just it's one of those it's one of those things whereas like men, we just have completely unbased self belief in certain things. It's like the flying a plane hypothetical. Yeah, I mean landing you, a plane. You could ask a hundred men whether in an emergency situation they think that they could successfully land a a flight. Like, this is a good one, Charlie. Could pilot you, passes out, can you land the flight? Could you land like, a plane? I'd say maybe two, like maybe five percent of men could, and and like ninety percent of men would say they could. Bulls, I think bull riding falls in that same category. Which one do you feel more comfortable doing, landing a plane or riding a bull for like three seconds, four seconds? Am I more likely to successfully land a plane or, or ride a bull for four seconds? Yeah, both. Well, you got to choose. Yeah, I know, I know. No, I don't have to choose. Did you see that? <laughs> no, video? I can do both. <laughs> um, I'd say ride a bull. But I think I could land a plane. You know, you, you got the cockpit control. Uh, you're sitting there. There's buttons in front of you. You're talking to a control tower. They're telling you what to press. It's easy, right? Yeah. Can't be too hard. That's my favorite. That's one of my favorite videos of the guy who just stole the plane, and then he's talking to air ca- air traffic control. He's like, "Hey guys, uh, I'm just up here flying around." Yeah, you would like that video. <laughs> yeah, I do. I mean, he did like die. Well, yeah, but he did it. He didn't kill anybody else. Yeah, just At himself least he did on it purpose. Honorably. Kinda. He I mean, did he also went, he crash his planes. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, it's not like the greatest thing in the world, but it was. No, I'm, I'm, it is a good video. It is a good video. <laughs> he seemed like he was having an enjoyable time in his last moments. That's all I want. My mom just texted me. I know someone who died bull riding. Yeah, way to be a Debbie Downer. We get it. People <laughs> die sometimes riding bulls. Okay. I think the head. Trauma I'm not going to be something. one of them. That's the point. <laughs> the head injury is is something that is a. Uh, yeah. I mean, what happens when you just? What about uh, like a rodeo clown? Like, would you be a would you be a guy that diverts the bull's attention? You mean like a Clint Rasmussen? Yes. Who's Clint Rasmussen? I think did I get that name right? I have no clue. Uh, Flint Rasmussen. Oh, damn it, Flint Rasmussen. Is that you like know, a famous? He is the rodeo clown of all rodeo clowns. Why do you know this? Uh, he's like the MC for the main PBR events. Like he's the rodeo clown MC. He got out of the rodeo clown game and just became a DJ. Uh, like he's like like if or he's like if the, PBR comes to town to Knoxville. I don't think Flint's a part of it necessarily. It's too small of an event. But if you go to to Nashville for like the the knock, Nashville knockout, one of the majors on the PBR tour, then yeah, Flint Rasmussen will be there. 
He'll ha- he'll be painted up. He'll be in his garb. He'll have a microphone. He'll be. You seem like you know night. a lot about bull riding. <laughs> Don't worry about it. I might have sat in the shark cage the last time PBR came to Knoxville. Oh, I forgot you went there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Met the bulls. So met did the, met the cowboys. One of my buddies did the same thing. Yeah, was he one of the dirt guys? No, he just sat in like the the shark, shark cage, cage was or sick. whatever. Yeah, I bet that is that like the meerkat cage at the zoo, but yeah, for bulls but just instead. in the middle of where they're riding the bulls. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it feels very cool. It's very cool. To I be would a part be of. so down for that. But also, I used to go to the I used to go to the Nashville Knockout every year. Even if like, just you were a like a bull riding fan growing up, or it was just like uh, I, you I went won to tickets. Games I won like, tickets on sports radio when I was like fourteen. Maybe 15. So you had your parents drive you down to the Nashville Knockout. Yeah, so I took my dad to the Nashville Knockout. At least you took Because I won my tickets. And then I was like, this is my favorite thing on the planet. I'm going to go to the Nashville Knockout every year. And I started doing it. It it really is. So the Nashville Knockout's different, right, Sam? Because (laughs) it's National Signing Day. But let me tell you about the Nashville Knockout. (laughs) It's not just... uh, like you have to have a qualifying ride and then from there it's you know you're scored and it's ranked you know you had the best ride you had the second best ride you had the third best ride it's a bracket based on time so it's time it's, on the it's based on time and then if both riders qualified it's based on score so it's it's awesome how do you get scored are there judges being like yeah yeah there's judges so like you have to have a qualifying ride you have to ride for a certain amount of time you have to get a full eight yeah once you get that then you get a score based on hand placement you know dismount how hard the bull bucked the difficulty of the bulls like a multiplier uh just you know all the different aspects of bull riding but most of the time like you're not getting qualifying scores so it gets really fun during the knockout during the tournament because it's like, all right, you know, this guy got bucked off at 3.3. Like, can he make it to 3.5? Okay. And it's sick. It's a lot yeah, of fun. Yeah, that'd be fun. Because as the rounds progress, the bulls get tougher. Okay. And by the time you're getting to the semifinals, you're getting, like, championship bulls. So like, that was going to be my best question. bulls on the planet. Can you choose the bull, like, the best bull in the competition in the first round and just, like, up your score? No, the bulls or? are predetermined. Okay. They're preset. Okay. So you got the bat. You got the young bulls. At the start. I mean, there's still some bad mofos. Yeah. Yeah. But they're not they're not seasoned vets. Not quite. Okay. Long story short, Flint Rasmussen, he's the man, and I think I could ride a bull. But let's reset. I had a great time day. talking bulls there. I did too. <laughs> talking bulls with the Blitz. More coming up next. Are you ready? I don't mean to keep devolving, but I'm I'm really curious now. Jared tweeted us. He said I gotta look up the correlation between the movie I watched last night, Idiocracy, and uh, and Crocs. Wait, what? I don't know. I'm the movie I watched last night, Idiocracy. So it's like. The government's doing a, an experiment to see if they can put soldiers to sleep, like make them hibernate basically, and then they can wake them up when they're actually in war and use them, like the best ones. This sounds like 
some Captain America. So stuff. to test yeah. it, so to test it, they take the two most average people that they can find in the military, freeze them, and then they accidentally get buried and forgotten about. So instead of being woken up a year later to see if it worked, they get woken up five hundred years later. <laughs> but the whole theme of the movie is that natural selection accidentally made everyone dumber. Like the like we, the we whole got, world is stupid now, and they're just yeah, like normal the, the, humans. The whole theme is that like. We got past a point where IQ or like traits that help advance the human species are still the ones that are most desirable for mating. Instead, it became like big, tough, like big boobs, like you know stuff like that. We went back. We so went we backwards. started going back because those are the people that bred more. To the point where like we started going backwards and everyone got really dumb. Are we so like then, cavemen in this movie? No, just really dumb, like devolved society. It okay. actually makes more sense now than it did in 2006, which is kind of funny. <laughs> like, if you just took TikTok culture and amplified it by, like, 50 and made everyone dumber. Okay. But uh, that's the whole premise of the movie. Like, these two very average people wake up, and all of a sudden they're the two smartest people on, on Earth. But What do Crocs have to do? Like, Crocs the shoe? <laughs> yeah, apparently. Well, everyone in the movie Crocs was the wearing shoe. Crocs. Oh, uh, because they had a limited budget, and because they were thought to be too ugly to ever become popular in real life, so it was what a croc- terrible take. It was Crocs before they were popular. That's awesome. They just happened. Okay, what the cheap plastic shoes made by the startup company looked futuristic, but were too stupid looking to ever become popular, <laughs> so it wouldn't ruin the movie. Jokes on you. Jokes on you. We love our Crocs. I we stick love pictures Crocs. in them to make them look cooler. I love Crocs. I do too. I was wearing Crocs. I wore Crocs as my primary shoe. Like I, I don't think I wore tennis. Sh- I wore Crocs over tennis shoes for a good three or four years. I was a big Croc man. You just put that thing in four wheel drive if you got to do something active. That weird Croc sweat. You know what I'm talking about? Oh yeah. The, it'd be like yeah, a little silver yeah. almost. You'd be yeah. Like, I don't like that. <laughs> you think Mike Matthews wore Crocs? A lot of those guys wear Crocs. Yeah. Well, a lot of those guys have signed because today is National Signing Day. Yeah. Tennessee has 21 commits in the 2024 class, ranked 12th overall. And uh, you want to roll through who's signed so far? What letters have come in? Yes. All right. Mike Matthews signed and enrolled. Braylon Staley, four-star receiver, signed and enrolled. Boo Carter. Four-star safety signed and enrolled. Four-star quarterback Jake Merklinger. You guessed it. Both signed and, and enrolled. enrolled. Max Anderson, pretty excited about this guy. Uh, doesn't quite get the same shine, I guess, as he maybe should because of you know Bennett Warren, too. But uh, four-star offensive tackle, he's signed and enrolled. Uh, interior offensive lineman, four-star William Satterwhite, signed and enrolled. Three-star athlete Marcus Gore Jr. from Bradley Central, also signed and enrolled. Jesse Perry, three-star tackle from Murfreesboro, signed and enrolled. Adriz Farouk from St. Francis up in Baltimore, three-star safety, signed and enrolled. And then Gage Ginther, the offensive lineman from Fort Collins, Colorado, Three-star, signed, and enrolled. So Tennessee has 10 early enrollees. I'd say that's pretty solid. You got Matthews and, and Boo Carter. Correct me if I'm wrong. Both of those guys going through bowl practices, right? Correct. Yeah, yeah. They're already on campus. Yeah. So, I mean, they've been there doing their thing. 
Uh, all of those guys have signed. Those letters have come through. And then you have nine more that have already signed their national letter of intent this morning. That would be five-star edge rusher, prize of the class, along with Mike Matthews. That's Jordan Ross mm-hmm. from Vestavia Hills. Uh, Bennett Warren, your four-star tackle, top eight at the position he's signed this morning. Same with uh, four-star corner, Caleb Beasley from Lipscomb. Four-star running back, Peyton Lewis from Salem, Virginia. He's signed this morning. Edwin Spillman, teammate of Caleb Beasley, also at Lipscomb, the four-star linebacker. He's signed. Uh, And then three-star defensive lineman, Kellen Lindstrom. Three-star linebacker, Jordan Burns. Three-star defensive lineman, Jeremias Hurd. And three-star defensive lineman, Carson Gentle. They've all signed as well. So uh, you've pretty much got your whole class in already. 19 guys is signed. You have 21 committed. Yeah. The only two uh, that have not seen their name come through yet, that would be the tight end that you picked up earlier this week, Cole Harrison from San Mateo, California. And, well, actually, I just saw this name come across uh, about a minute and a half ago when I was looking up Crocs. So 247, not updated yet. Uh, Jamal Wallace, defensive lineman. Gotcha. Uh, the Juco commit you picked up a couple of days ago. Uh, both of those commits happening this week. Wallace is signed now, too. So uh, 21 commits, 20 have signed. I like this class. Yeah, I do, too. It's not the flashiest class in the world, but I think it's loaded with some high-end talent and, and, and specifically at positions of need. Yeah, that was... That's exactly what I think, too, Charlie. I feel like you've got guys in there that you just picked your spots in the right places, I feel like. You know you know, you know the strengths and weaknesses of this roster, I feel like, and, you know, you, you picked up some good guys in those weaknesses, and, you know, you just you bolstered some, you know, some position groups as well. So I think you got to feel really good about some of the talent that you got coming in. Uh, you know, it's nice in this early signing day kind of – era now where you've got a lot of these guys just on campus already already practicing you know getting the rhythm of of this whole team and and getting acclimated to campus and everything and what it's like to play college football so good to have all those guys you know committing early hopefully a lot of them uh you know getting onto campus early and getting into bowl practices but yeah I feel like you gotta you gotta really like what you got in this class and I think you've got some some really good playmakers at a lot of different places I think you've done a great job this offseason of, of keeping important pieces in place while also upgrading the roster at positions of need. You know, I've seen some people not very happy online with this class. I think part of that honestly just stems from the lack of drama. The fact that this class has been pretty locked up. We wake up on signing day. It's uh, not even 11 a.m. and, and we're, not, we're not on commit watch. We're not waiting for some last-minute flip. We're not, you know, down to the wire, crossing our fingers for, for, you know, two more offensive line commits. Like, here here are our 21 guys. We've been pretty firm for a minute. You know, we'll, we'll have a couple of more that we chase to the, the regular signing day in February to see if we can bolster these 21 that we have now, and, and that's kind of that. You know, it's not the biggest class either, which affects the ranking. But when you just look at the overall quality of this class rather than the quantity, uh, then I think, I think you know that that shines a little bit more favorably upon this class. 
twelfth uh, in the country. That's not exactly where you want to be, but when you look at like average ranking, ninety-one point one two. That's better than number six Miami. It's almost as good as number four Florida State. It's better than number eight Oregon. It's better than number nine Notre Dame. It's better than you know number one right in front of you, LSU. So it's better than some of those schools. It's better than what Tennessee's had now for uh, a good long while. Like this, that's the highest average prospect grade that Tennessee's put together in in years and years and years. So I think when you look at it, you know that way, and you consider that, you know we're in a weird era now of of college football where the transfer portal is a big part of recruiting as well. I I don't really have any issues with this class. Yeah, I mean I I don't think that. It's not just a given that you know that you're going to go get that top three, top five class. Like those are just those are really hard classes to get, uh, and you know it, it's it's programs that are winning national championships. Frankly, that are you know the ones that are putting those kind of classes together, and that's just not really where Tennessee's at right now. And they have that potential, absolutely, but you know you're just not going to be in that top three or four like people are kind of expecting you to be. I think you've got to feel, you know, I think you've got to feel really solid with the guys you've got. And yeah, you know, like you said, Charlie, I think your average guy is probably, uh, you know, is, is probably a little bit highly, more highly rated than than some other guys out there that are that are in classes that are ranked above you. So I think you do have to feel great about where you're at. You picked your spots well. Um, I think you're still, you know, I think you're still aggressive for some guys in the portal. Still, you know, hopefully you could get a guy like a, a Chris Brazel. Uh, you know, to shore up that wide receiver room a little and, bit. And it Maybe seems like you're corner. going to. Yeah, it does seem like you're going to. Maybe another corner or two, I think. You know, you, you talked about it earlier this week, Charlie, kind of just getting like a, a, J, a Gabe Judy Lally type of guy in the in the portal. I think if you can get another one or two of those guys, you got to feel really, really solid about the way that this football roster is, is constructing so far in, in December. I'd give this class probably like an A minus to B plus grade. It would have been nice, I think, to hit on on one or two more like blue chip guys, like a Jordan Seaton, perhaps. You know, I, I think maybe a little disappointing that you couldn't parlay the momentum of eleven and two and feeling like the center of the college football universe for about three months. Maybe a little bit disappointing that you couldn't make more of a jump in recruiting off of that season but when you when you still look at this class you know I think you got to be pretty pleased with with the talent that you have at the top but then also the needs that you address you know you're rebuilding your depth on the offensive line in this class and you kind of bought yourself some more time paying for four of your your five starters from a year ago to come back so you bought yourself some more time and then I think you're really kind of like springboarding that that offensive line room with this class. You you bring in two very highly rated tackles, both at the top 12 in their position. You know, you bring in a four-star interior lineman. You bring in a couple more three-star, you know, still higher, higher on the three-star scale interior lineman, another tackle that's a three-star. You have, I want to say it's what, a top – three offensive line classes the last I saw right now mm-hmm. a top three offensive line class that's a pretty good class to put together and then 
you know, you add some talent, obviously, in the secondary, too. Um, still probably like to add a little bit more there, but a top 15 corner in Caleb Beasley and then Boo Carter, who, you know, can do a little bit of everything. It looks like he's going to be in that defensive secondary for Tennessee as well, especially, you know, given hey, Willie Martinez and, and that relationship during the recruitment process. So, uh, I mean, those are two positions you desperately need to add more talent to. You continue to bolster positions you're already skilled at. Receiver, you add Mike Matthews. It's a luxury yeah. to an already skilled room. Jordan Ross, dog. Insanely talented edge rusher. And, you know, you add that to a room that is already full of talent. That's a luxury. So I think you bolstered your two biggest positions of need while adding top-tier talent onto your biggest strengths. You think Mike Matthews is like a day one starter? Day one starter is a little tough uh, just because I feel like this staff has shown favor to veterans. Yeah. Especially if you're bringing in Chris Braswell. Uh, You know, you would think Braswell and Squirrel White, definite starters. But then when you consider Mike Matthews would be competing with you know, potentially a Brew McCoy if he came back. If Brew McCoy comes back, he's just starting. Yeah. But, you know, <laughs> if, if it, he could be can potentially competing with, like, Dante Thornton, Caleb Webb, um, like Spillman. I just think Leacock. he might be able to beat out those guys. I do, too. <laughs> I do, too, especially given his talent. And I think as the season goes on, you'd like to imagine he's playing more because I think he is that kind of talent. I, I think he's good enough to be a day one starter. I would be very pleased with a, a, a three-man, uh, you know, at the top of the receiver room, your three guys being Chris Braswell, Squirrel White, and Mike Matthews. Mm. That would make me a very happy man. But I don't know. The, the conversation and, and the vibe that you get, maybe it's a vocal minority perhaps, but, like, the vibe I think from our fan base doesn't really feel to me like an accurate representation of the momentum this program should have. Yeah. Like, I feel like from a certain seg- like segment, there's a real the sky's falling kind of vibe. I look at this, this Tennessee team, and I feel like they've gotten better across the board, and they've set themselves up to be a playoff team next year with a great schedule. Like I don't really get that same vibe. I don't know where it's coming from. I, I think it's just people looking at other programs around the country. You know, you can't be looking around the looking around the room and and seeing like, oh, Ole Miss is landing this guy. You know, we're getting a flip from here, a flip from there. Oregon sending a bag to this guy. Texas A and M's trying to flip this guy late. What are we doing? Losing an NIL battle to Missouri, like all this stuff. And it's just kind of like looking away at other programs. And I don't think you're looking enough inside your own program and. You know, realizing that you've got a pretty talented roster already, you've got a top recruiting class coming in, and now you're starting to hit on some guys in the portal with, you know, eventually hopefully some more portal guys that you can get and a guy like Chris Brazell, hopefully another another corner or two. And, you know, I, I feel like you've really – it seems like in, you know, right now in this transfer portal era, it's just like who can create the flashiest transfer portal class – and Heupel just seems like he's picking and chooses his spots smartly, and I think it's a you know I think he's doing a great job right now. So again, there's more than one way to skin a cat. Exactly, and, and like Tennessee is building a team, building a, a roster, managing their roster in such a way 
where they don't really need to go to the the transfer portal to find a bunch of starters like they they have those within the program you know they're building bottom up they're building for for long-term success and that doesn't mean because it's different it's wrong like like there are more than one way to win. What Lane Kiffin is doing at Ole Miss is probably going to work really well. Mm-hmm. But that's not to say that just because Josh Heupel is doing something differently, that won't also work. He's you taking know, a more sustainable it's, approach. It's like, did, did we forget <laughs> how college football worked for like 70 years? You recruit guys, they spend a year or two in the program, and then they get ready to play and take over for the guys that left. Like, unknown does not equal bad. Yeah, <laughs> it can be a little, you know, I, I guess worrisome because it is unknown, but it doesn't mean bad. You know, I think you have to trust your evaluations in recruiting and your ability to develop players at some point too. You know, if if you feel like you can evaluate and bring in talent, and then you also feel like you can coach and develop players, then it makes all the sense in the world to allow those guys that you evaluated and brought in and then have spent the last year or two developing to then get their opportunity to play. Yeah. You, know, you don't have to recruit to replace those guys necessarily at every position. Like The portal can just be a supplemental tool. Um, by the way, you added, another, you added another big commit from the portal this morning. Jamad McCoy, cornerback from Oregon State, a guy that was a freshman All-American. A year ago, a guy that you know I think is really talented, and you might see some people I don't know complain about like a PFF score or something like that, but just like they did with MTSU and that commit, mm-hmm. who cares? This is a good player. Yeah, this is a good player, a and this player. is a big get for Tennessee at a position of need. You know, I think we can get too wrapped up sometimes in like in in stats, stats or, and stars, or in PFF. And they're in stars too, and, and those are all very surface level, surface level things. But then you also have to dive into the context that surrounds those stats and stars. Like like Pro Football Focus, especially at the college level, those grades aren't good for corners and offensive linemen specifically because there's a lot of assumptions that take place in the grading process, a lot of guesses. And if you're a good corner on a bad team, you're probably not going to have a very accurate grade. Especially if you're playing a lot of zone defense, because if you're just the closest guy to the receiver that catches the pass, most of the time you're going to be the one that gets dinged. So you could be, you know, you could have flat coverage and you're supposed to have a high safety over top of you and say you're a pretty good corner and you see like that safety got sucked inside and someone leaked back behind you. You could turn around and start sprinting there to make up for the mistake, not get there in time to prevent the pass, but maybe catch up and make the tackle. If you're a coach watching that play on film, what an incredible effort play to recognize a breakdown in coverage and hustle to make up for it and prevent an even bigger gain. If you're PFF, it's a 35-yard catch allowed, yeah. negative coverage grade. Like that's there's more to it. Like it's it's not like you can just, you know, write off PFF grades, but again, there's more context behind a player than just, you know, some number a college intern gave when they tagged a, a play on Sunday morning hungover after the bars. I, I, I've never been a huge PFF guy, especially yeah. when we found out, like, Taylor Lewan found, ex- 
said a couple years ago at the NFL level, there's bribes that take place. Yeah, guys like pay for their yeah. PFF grade. That's crazy to me. So I, I don't respect that organization. Doesn't really mean much to me. I think that Tennessee's gotten better at a lot of positions. I think he got better in the secondary. Yeah. For the most part. I mean, I think Jacoby I, I think, Thomas and, and Jermon McCoy are two big additions. Like, I think that's two starters. I, I think potentially better than the two yeah. starters you lost. Yeah, Nico Slaughter and Tamarian McDonald. Would you rather have those two back? Or would you rather have your, your two new transfers? I'd rather have the two new transfers. The only guy I'm really going to miss is Kamal Haddon. Yeah, but, you know, there's nothing you can do. Players mm-hmm. graduate. You know, I think Kamal Haddon is a loss, but you pretty much just trim the fat and flip the position. You said, hey, this position that you guys have been complaining about because it's not very good, rightfully so, well, here, we're getting rid of those guys. We're, we're going to have all new faces, all new names in the secondary. We're going to bring in some talent from the portal. We're also going to trust the guys we brought in and developed, and we're going to have a better room. I think the secondary should be better. I think the defensive line will be as good or better. I think the linebackers better. will be as good or better. Probably better, better. because Keenan Peely's back. Arian Carter gets another year of development. Your, your talent in the front seven, most of it back. Another year of development for the talent you've been bringing in. Your secondary, you trim the fat, you bring in new, new talent. That's better. Offensively, offensive line room. You bring in a top three offensive line class and four of your five starters, the four best, mind you, from a, an offensive line that was – up for the best in the country. That room got better. Quarterback, you go from Joe Milton to Nico Iamaliava. Better. Receiver, you add in, hopefully, Chris Braswell and the top receiver in the country, Mike Matthews. You bring pretty much everyone back. Better. Tight end room. You go from Jacob Warren, who, God bless him, love the kid, but marginal in every aspect, to the top tight end transfer in the portal. And Ethan Davis with a year of development. Better. Running back. You go from Jalen Wright and Jabari Small to Dylan Sampson and Kel- Cam Selden. Can't say better because Jalen Wright's a dog, but those two guys taking over are also really damn good. So I just don't get like the sky is falling vibe. This is to me a, a team that's shaping up to be a playoff team. And you've been having a great offseason. I am. Thrilled about it. I am through the roof on this Wednesday, December 20th. And today has been a great day. Today has been a great signing day. Let's keep it rolling. Hour one done. Hour two on deck right here on the Blitz.